Welcome to The Penny Drops, the Royal London podcast series simplifying finance to help more people, like you, make better informed money decisions. Each episode, Andrea Fox grills a guest to get the best tips on issues such as savings, pensions, budgeting, debt, family finance, marriage and retirement. She's finding the answers we're looking for and getting expert tips that you can put into action. Royal London recommends you seek professional independent financial advice before making financial decisions. All views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and not of Royal London. Hello, I'm Andrea Fox, presenter and broadcast journalist, and welcome to Penny Drops, where I speak to some of the best financial experts out there. On this month's episode, I'm speaking to personal finance journalist Emma Lunn, who's written about everything from mortgages to student finance. And today she's talking to me about saving and most importantly, how to save without noticing. It's the dream, isn't it, Emma? It certainly is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. That's okay. So, Emma, your top tips then for saving without noticing? Um, I think my top tip would be start saving something, even if it's a small amount each month. Um, there's a few ways you can do this. Um, some of the digital banks like Monzo or Starling let you round up your purchases to the nearest pound and it would do it all for you. So if you buy a coffee for like £2.80, it would put 20p in your savings pot. Love that. And you don't really realise that you've done it. That's awesome. So that's without thinking too much. So start small, different accounts. Yes, I definitely have a separate savings account. Um, don't try and save in your current account. That that never works. <laughs> what are the best ways to save? Pay yourself first, as we say. So when you're working out your monthly budget, mm-hmm. um, allocate an amount to savings um, and set up a standing order for the day after payday for that amount to go into your savings account. Uh, and that's a lot better than waiting to see what you've got left at the end of the month. Okay, so that's the way around you do it. Like, that's how I do it. <laughs> earmark that and then you've got your beer money and everything else. Yes. Um, so how do you kind of choose between whether you go for a bank account or an ISA? Um, an ISA should be most people's first port of call. Uh, an individual savings account, the returns are tax-free and you can save up to £20,000 each year. So what does an ISA actually mean? <laughs> uh, individual savings account. Oh, well, there yeah. we go. So it is like a di- it's, it's yeah. separate from um, bank savings. And the individual savings. thing is you, you can't have a joint account. It has to be like just you and you have to be over 16. Okay. Uh, there's quite a few different types, so people might be confused. How many flavours of ISA uh, do we have? Ever-increasing number. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the best one for you depends uh, a little bit about what you're saving for. So if you're saving for your first home, the lifetime ISA is a good bet. Um, and that gives you a government bonus of up to £1,000 a year. I was going to say, I heard a bit that you get a bit of a kickback. Yeah, so they the government gives you 25% of what you save, up to savings of 4000 so you can get 1000 a year. That's pretty um, good, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and you can open that account when you're 18, and you can get that bonus up until you're 50. But you have to buy your first home with it or use it to fund your retirement after the age of 60. Okay, um, so it depends if you want to do one of those two things. Okay. Otherwise, um, they kind of take the bonus back and some of the money back. Oh, so, right. Okay. Um, so if you're maybe considering buying a house but you don't know yet, it might be worth just putting it Yeah, in I mean, you, you know you're going to retire one day. I mean, yeah. a pension is, you know, tends to be better for long time, uh, long-term pension savings. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to buy a house, um, a LISA, as we call it, a lifetime ISA, is a good bet. Love all these acronyms. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any other colours and flavours of ISA I mean, there? the main two are, are cash ISA or stocks and shares ISA. Um, a cash, as the name suggests, is, is cash. Um, these are quite safe and easy to understand, um, but your money won't grow very much in a cash ISA. Okay. Um, the rates aren't great um, and they might get eroded by inflation over the years. 
Um, a stocks and shares ISA is a bit more risky because you're investing in the stock market. Is that like, oh, I'm 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 going to start reading EFT <laughs> and I'm going to look at stocks and share, or is it just sort of? Um, it's when you move from saving to investing. So my advice would be to have some cash savings first. Okay. Um, that tends to be safer, although your money may get eroded by inflation and be worth a bit less later on. So my advice would be to have, um, some people say like six months worth of their salary in cash savings. Okay. And then start investing. Um, and as far as investing goes, it doesn't have to be risky. I mean, some of it is, but you can diversify your investments. That means kind of spread them out. So you're spreading the risk. Um, you can do that by buying into a fund, and a fund will normally spread the money between different shares, different sectors, different industries, different countries. So if things go wrong, hopefully all your shares kind of won't um, go downhill at the same time. Um, buying individual stocks is actually quite risky. So say you, you bought Thomas Cook shares, as some people did. Mm. Then when the company went bust, um, yeah, they didn't get any money back. Wow. And yes, They're no- unlikely to. There's no protection as well from the government with that kind no, of thing. No, I mean, shares can go up and down, as the saying goes, unless it's been really badly mismanaged or something, you won't get any money back. I was going to say, because you can open an ISA, is it one a year? You can open more than one a year. You can only save £20,000, but split it between different types. Okay. Um, so you might have put some in a cash ISA and some in a stocks and shares ISA. What is the difference between savings accounts and current accounts? Um, a current account is for your everyday banking. So you have your salary paid into it. Um, most people have like direct debits for bills paid out of it. Um, and most people use it for spending every day, like going shopping, going to the supermarket, going for drinks, going for dinner. All those coffees. All those coffees, all those drinks. Um, and a savings account is kind of a separate account. It has a lot less features. It tends to be just paying in, taking money out, and that's that's about all it does. Yeah, you probably have a standing order into your savings accounts. It's a good place to start. When it comes to bank accounts, how do you how do you choose between um, a good savings current account and a good bank account? Well, the best bank account depends on a little bit about your financial situation. Mm-hmm. So if you're always overdrawn, you want one with a, a cheap overdraft or a free overdraft, preferably. Um, yes, yeah, so we like free stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, students especially can normally find an interest-free overdraft up to a certain amount while they're studying. Um, and then when you're you're working, the rates tend to vary between banks. Um, but if you're always in credit, it's a bit different. You can find some quite high paying current accounts. Um, I think the top one at the moment is uh, paying 5%. Okay. So that's quite good. That's better than most savings accounts. But if you read the small print, they only pay that amount up to a certain amount of savings. Oh, okay. So you need to kind of plan ahead a little bit and maybe when you get to that limit, move some of your money elsewhere. And get into the small print. Yes. As we all love to do. (laughs) Um, These accounts tend to have a few rules and terms and conditions as well. Um, Normally about paying a certain amount in each month. Okay. Um, So if your salary covers that, it tends to be no problem. Um, But if you're using a different current account, a savings account, it might be a case of just moving money around each month to, to meet the rules. So we talked about savings accounts and bank accounts. You can get a joint bank account. Would you get a joint savings account? Um, you could do. Um, there's no real benefit, though. If you're both going to pay money each month, you may if it's like with your partner, you may as well just keep separate ones. You know, if you do fall out and split up and it all goes wrong. Oh, Emma. I'm such a cynic. <laughs> but, you know, he or she could run off with your money or all of the money. Wow. So you don't want that at a difficult time. So. No, exactly. Um also, when it comes to switching, is it quite easy? Is this something we should be thinking about doing, switching between savings accounts? And yeah, and I mean, things? I try and keep an eye on things maybe every year. Or if you have a savings account and the rate's going to go down, like some savings accounts have a bonus period 
What does pay, that mean? That means they pay more interest a certain amount of time, normally for like a year. Like a Christmas bonus. Kind <laughs> of. <Or a> year <laughs> bonus. <laughs> well, it's more like a monthly bonus. So they, they might pay, say, 1.5% for six months and then the rate will go down to 1% or something. So you're kind of worth jumping ship yes, once the rate goes when down. when the bonus rate ends, time to have a look around. Maybe stick a reminder in your phone. Yeah, and hopefully they remind you too, or they should do. Oh, really? And then you can look around, yeah. So we talk about switching current accounts quite a lot. Um, how does that kind of link in with savings accounts? Um, a lot of the popular current accounts have a linked regular saver account and they only offer the good rate on the regular saver, 5% in some cases, to their current account customers. Switching to some banks also, you can earn a switching bonus. So if you switch your current account through the current account switching service, um, you can earn, I mean, up to £200 in some cases. But Money the rate, the, the offers come and go. Mm-hmm. So keep an eye out. Um, always check the account is a good one for you rather than just going for the big bonus, though. Yeah. I suppose you could put that money in your savings account. Yeah, I mean, the best thing to do is get the money, put it into your savings, and, and you've got your savings habit started. So <laughs> There's your holiday savings account. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think it's good to have like a savings account and an ISA of some description? Um, or would you say yeah, it depends? It depends. I mean, personally, I have a few different savings accounts. Of course you do. Your money's <laughs> of course savvy, I do. <laughs> um, for different things. So I've got okay. one for like emergencies. Oh. Um, and as a freelance journalist, I'm self-employed. So emergency might be if I'm too sick to work mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm. Um, I've got another one for holidays. That's that's my favourite one. Fun one. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as a self-employed person, I also save for my tax bill. So when the bill comes, I've got the money. And then I've got another one for Christmas as well. Do you? So, yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> There's not much in that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, all of Emma's loved ones. Oh, we've already used a few acronyms already with the Lysers and Isers. AER pops up a lot. What on earth does that mean um, in terms it, of saving? That means annual equivalent rate. And that means? <laughs> uh, it looks at how much interest you'd get if you put your money into that account at the beginning of the year and just left it there. So you want a high number there? Yeah, the higher the better, basically. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what? how should we even sort of start working out our savings goal? You've talked a little bit about buying a house and stuff, but how do you even sort of sit down and go, this is what I'm saving for? I think what I personally do is look at how much money I've got coming in each month mm-hmm. um, and work out a budget. So I work out a budget for like how much I plan to spend on like food shopping, on travel. Um, and within that, allocate an amount of savings that fits with the budget and is realistic. And as I said, set up a standing order for that for the day after payday. I find if you sort of see how much you've got left at the end of the month, you'll just spend all your money. <laughs> Most people will. So, And that way you kind of commit to it. Yeah. yeah. So is it like sun cream, like the higher the amount from the earlier age, it's good? Is that how we work out savings? I guess. That... I mean, the more you can save, the better. Okay. Um, but I suppose if you start saving early, you won't have to save a massive amount each month. But it depends what you're saving for. Yeah, exactly. And I... If you have like quite a lot of debts to start with, um, is it a good idea to save and be paying those off? Um, I would say pay off your debts first, as debts tend to have a higher interest rate than the savings, the, the interest you're going to earn on your savings. So the AER is yeah. going to be completely cancelled out by whatever by you're the, paying. By the APR, annual percentage rate on your debts. Thank you for explaining it before <laughs> I even had to ask. Um, but the main exception, there's a couple of exceptions to that. Yeah. I'd say your mortgage, obviously, you know, pay that off over time. Mortgage rates are quite cheap at the moment. Yeah, so you wouldn't wait until you've, I don't know, paid off your student loan and your mortgage to start yeah. saving. No, I mean, your student loan is the other one. It gets written off after 30 years. So you might not pay it all off anyway. Yeah. And you have to be earning a certain amount each year before you start paying it off. So I've heard of things like considered bad debt 
But you wouldn't consider a mortgage or student loan to be... No, I mean, you know, student loans, obviously investing in your education. Um, Mortgage is obviously investing in your property. And if you didn't have a mortgage, you'd probably be paying rent and that might be more. So i say that was good debt. Yeah, and I suppose, like you say, saving regularly is is quite a it's quite a, a good thing to do, especially if you do it when you get paid. But when a lot of us have such large outgoings on rent and you know mortgage or whatever it might be, do you think it's worth saving even literally like a pound if that's all Definitely. you can? Definitely, yes. Really? Um, yeah, I'd say yeah. There's a few things you can do to save money, like each day. Oh, yeah. Um, There's things like if you have certain banks, you can agree that when you make a transaction, it will round the money up to the next pound and the spare change we put in like a virtual pot. So it's what we used to do in the old days when we had like real money and we put the spare change in a pot. And piggy banks. Yes, but it's basically done virtually. So it's all done for you. So you don't really have to think about it too much. Wow, without even thinking about it. Without thinking about it too much. And it just kind of gets rounded up every time I buy a coffee or go to Sainsbury's or whatever. Do you think there's quite a lot of uh, sort of fintech options available now that kind of help with that kind of thing? Yes, definitely. There's, there's some banks that will offer that as like a um, a feature on your online banking or your, wow. your banking app. Um, especially the new digital banks, they tend to lead the way with this kind of thing. Um, and there's also some apps like Chip, which you can kind of link up with your, your normal bank account. And what it does is works out how much money you might have left at the end of the month and then moves it into your savings for you. So that's quite a nice one because obviously you were saying like regular savings are a better idea than ad hoc payments. But it's kind of like that's almost like a balance. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good balance. Yeah. Um, and also you can look at a few things that you might want to give up. Um, the Uh-oh. main one people always say is, is like takeaway coffee. Um, hard to give up. But if you, you, know, you have one a day, it's like maybe three pounds a day. Um, if you do it every day, it's like £21 a week, £100 a month, £1,200 a year. Wow. Um, That's a holiday, isn't it? Yeah. When you start think- it's- it is a holiday. I always think in terms of holidays, so that is a holiday. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you can make a coffee at home or, you know, if you've got a kettle in the office, it's almost cheaper just to go and buy a kettle and some coffee or coffee machine. Gosh, that is a good point. Between you all at work and start making it. Are those the ways you think people find it easier to think about savings? I think so. And I think the key, if you're going to do that, is actually to remember to put the money to one side rather than just stop spending it and letting it get sort of drawn into the general budget is actually put the money to one side. Mm. Um, What I used to do or have done for a bit, I was working from home. I was thinking if I had the equivalent salary, but I worked in central London, I'd probably spend like £50 a week travelling. Wow. So I started putting £50 a week in a separate savings account. Um, and just saving that way. That's a really good idea. Yeah, I suppose. And, and yeah, if you yeah, if you've suddenly decided to take up cycling or something, then you you could yeah, maybe put the actually money save you would the have money. spent on petrol. Or yeah, or something and like another that. one is if you give up smoking, it's not just about your health, but your wealth as well. So I, I like think, that. <laughs> not just your healthy wealth. <laughs> yep. Uh, depends how much you smoke, obviously, how much you spend, how much you might save. But remember to put the money to one side. And you can do something fun with it then. Mm. And tax comes into account with savings, am I right? Yes, that's right. Um, it's been good, good news on the sort of tax side of things. Um, a couple of years ago, or three years ago, they introduced the personal savings allowance. Yes, so I hear this banded around a lot, and I'm not sure I completely understand how it's working for me. So what is the what is that? Um, it basically drastically reduced how much um, tax people pay on the interest on their savings. It used to be the interest you earned would be kind of added onto your income and then you'd pay tax on the whole amount at your sort of going rate, whether that's basic rate or higher rate. Okay. Um, but the personal savings allowance meant that for basic rate taxpayers, 
they could earn £1,000 in interest each year and not pay any tax. Okay. And for higher rate taxpayers, they figure it's £500. Um, you'd actually have to have loads and loads of savings to earn that much. Really? Um, roughly, I'd say you need about £100,000 in savings as a basic rate taxpayer um, to earn a, a grand in interest. Wow. Assuming like they, they were paying like 1% um, interest. So, that yeah, you'd have to have quite a lot of savings before interest kicks in now. So that's mm. good news. Yeah. Um, but it also means ISAs aren't quite so important if you haven't got a massive amount of savings. So you could look around for a better rate elsewhere. Okay. So you shop around. Yeah. It's basically the... That's, uh, yeah, always the good uh, <laughs> mantra of personal finance is to shop around. Um, yeah, personal saving allowances. Because I always get confused about, you know, taking that £1,000 off of the top and your basic rate and your, and your yeah. higher rate. No, it's about um, a thousand, earning £1,000 in interest, not having £1,000 worth of savings. So... Um, that's a lot of interest. <laughs> so a lot of people, especially basic rate taxpayers, if they don't save that much or can't save that much, won't earn that much in interest. Hmm. I feel like when we hear about savings, we hear that they're FSCS, see I struggle with that, uh, protected. What does that all mean when it comes to how safe our savings are? Okay, um, FSCS stands for Financial Services Compensation Scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, and that protects your money up to a certain amount per institution, per person. So if someone clones our credit card, um, they come in and help us? Or is, does it no, mean it's more to do with if, if your bank goes bust. Oh, okay. um, that doesn't happen very often. But, but it has happened in our lifetimes, yeah, obviously. Yeah, it, it's somehow happened uh, to two banks I bank with. <laughs> no way! No way. Um, oh, that is unlucky. It is unlucky. <laughs> well, the first one was Northern Rock, who I actually had my mortgage with, but unfortunately they didn't just write it off. They no, just, funnily, uh, no. that's a shame when that doesn't happen. No, yeah. but what happened, there were lots of savers with Northern Rock. Um, and they're protected by the Financial Services Compensation Scheme, which meant um, if they had up to £85,000 with the bank, uh, that money was protected. Wow. So that meant the government steps in, pays it back, so you don't lose your money. Um, and the other one that went bust was um, an Icelandic bank who had a popular iSave account. This is going back about 10 years now, maybe. <laughs> iSave for the Iceland bank. Yes, Um <laughs> I Icelandic banks were offering really good interest rates back in the day. Um, and when that went bust, that was under a slightly different compensation scheme. Um, and it took a, lo- a bit longer for savers to get their money back. Um, the government actually stepped in and people got their money back, but it took a while. Mm. So, I mean, to be really on the safe side, you want to check it's covered by the um, FSCS. Thank you. Yeah, you said yep. it a lot better than I did. <laughs> um, and if, you, if you've got loads of savings, if you've got more than £85,000, it's best to spread it out between different banks. Um, so if the worst were to happen, you'll be protected. Wow. Um, and what you need to do is check which bank owns other banks. And that they've got oh. a separate license. So would that mean if you were banking with two banks you thought were completely separate, if you had more than £85,000 in each, you might have an issue? Yeah, it's best to double check. Oh, okay. I mean, there's quite, been quite a lot of um, consolidation over the past few years. So like Santander bought Bradford and Bingley and Abbey National and things like that. HSBC owns First Direct. Um, so you need to check that it's a separate banking license when you're spreading your, your money out. But if you go to the... Um, financial services compensation scheme website you'll be able to check that quite easily yeah and that's amazing i mean you talk about it like football teams buying people i love how <laughs> you just had that off the top of your head yes. but is that <laughs> definitely something people should keep an eye out yeah for? I, I mean if you've got if you've got a lot of savings definitely keep an eye out for that i mean it's a very rare occurrence that a bank should go bust i've only written about two or three in my sort of 15 years of covering personal finance but you know it could happen it could happen yeah touch wood yeah also 
I mean, amazing to get to £85,000 worth of savings, am I right? I can't, I can't imagine that. <laughs> There's actually uh, special measures in place if you've got more than that for, like, if you sell your house or something. Okay, And you yeah. temporarily have a lot more than that, but um, that's only for a short amount of time. So, yeah, well, so in some circumstances, you are protected for a little bit more. If yeah, house sale, inheritance, that kind of thing. Yeah, I suppose what before it gets quickly moved into other savings yes. and bank accounts, yes, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so when it comes to benefits that people might be collecting, do savings um, kind of affect those? Um, I'm afraid they do. Yeah. So if you were to sign ah. on and claim certain benefits, they do look at how much savings you have. Um, basically, if you have less than six thousand pounds. Um, it shouldn't really affect your your benefit claim. Okay. Uh, and if you've got over sixteen thousand, um, you won't be able to claim certain benefits. Really. And in between that, they kind of work it out. Mm. Um, but it's still worth saving, I think. Don't let that put you off. Yeah. Do you think? What do you think people are put off about saving? Uh, I think some people are put off by poor interest rates. But to me, that's not the point of saving. The point is saving so you've got an emergency pot for a rainy day. Mm. For You know, if your boiler breaks down or your car doesn't work anymore or you need a holiday. Yeah, or you're a freelancer <laughs> with a cold. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or, you, you know, you need some time off or something. If, you, if you're self-employed, definitely, you know, try and save for those lean periods that always come along. Yeah. So in your experience... What would you look for when it comes to saving in terms of what's a good interest rate, what's good AER? Well, these days, rates are quite low. Um, mm. I mean, going back to what I was saying about 10 years ago, we were getting rates like 7% and they were like the crazy days. The heady um, days <laughs> The heady of days of 7%, which you can't imagine now. Um, most instant access accounts, which are accounts that let you take your money out when you want. Okay, so that's the kind of less scary ones, I suppose, if you're not quite sure how much you can afford to save. Yeah, and you might need to get the money out again. Mm. I mean, the top paying rate is probably about 1.5% at the moment. Wow, that's quite a big dip it's from not 7 much. It's not much. And um, some of the older bank... Uh, savings accounts with banks pay a lot less than that. They sort of quietly reduce the rates. So you want to check what you're getting. It, you know, it might not seem like much, but it does make a difference. So if you've got like an old savings account that was great that you maybe set up with your bank or something, yes. is it a good idea how often to sort of check that I'd they haven't changed probably things? probably go through my savings like every year and check what the rates I'm getting, see if there's something better. Um, if you don't mind tying up your money and not accessing it, you've got a, a few more options. Um, one would be a regular saver account. Okay. Uh, with that kind of account, you commit to paying in a certain amount each month, normally between twenty-five and three hundred pounds. You don't always have to commit to the same amount. Um, it depends on the bank. But obviously, when you start the accounts, if you're only putting in say three hundred pounds a month, and you can only do that for twelve months, it's normally fixed for a year. Oh, okay. You only get sort of the top rate on like the sort of three thousand six hundred. Is that right? The end of the year. Um, you know, Don't in, in the look last, at me in the last for, month. for quick maths at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're great if you're just starting to save. And also they kind of, they have restrictions on withdrawals normally. Okay. But that can work in your favour because it can make you more committed to leaving Piggy your money there. Piggy bank is not giving out, is it? Exactly. <laughs> um, another option would be like a fixed rate bond or fixed rate savings account. So talk to me about this. I have um, no idea of this. They generally need you to have a, a lump sum up front. Um, I'd say normally £1,000 or more. Some, okay. some ask for a bit more. And you normally tie your money up. Some are for six months, most are for one or two years, and the longer ones are like five years or more. Um, you commit to tying your money up for longer, but you get a higher interest rate. That's the plus point, I yes. suppose, isn't it? Um, so that can be good if you've got a lump sum, you're not quite sure what to do. Um, and say you need it for like, you know, three years' time to buy a house or to send your children to university or something like that. That can be a good bet. 
Awesome. So when it comes to saving, do you think it's really possible to save without noticing? I think so. I think things like rounding up your change, um, either on an app or physically, if you still spend coins and notes, I think you can do that. (laughs) If you're still in analog money. (laughs) Um, And I think if you keep your savings in a separate account, that can really help. Trying to keep it in your current account with your other money doesn't work so well, I find. Makes it too easy to dip into it. Yeah, I feel like we've all tried that, haven't we? Like, I will leave that money in my debit account. No, it never works. Never Never works. Doesn't. So, when it comes to savings, what do you think are your top three takeaways for people listening right now? If they haven't got any savings at all, they haven't looked into ISAs or anything like that, what would you think your top three would be? Always save something, even if it's a really small amount, because every little bit helps. Get in the habit of saving, Um, and the younger the better. So, even if you're only saving like twenty pounds a month and you're you're twenty five or whatever, it would get you in the habit. Yeah. Um, another good tip would be if, if you're working your way up the career ladder and you get, you know, you get a bonus or you get paid more. Lucky if you, ideally, if you can keep your expenditure the same and kind of save the difference or some of the difference, wow. that will make that will feel like you haven't changed your life too much, but you're saving more. That's a good tip. Yeah. Um, and the third one I say, once you've got a bit of a savings pot going, is shop around for the best rates. I suppose that's the hardest bit, isn't it? Once you've started yeah. it, do you have to, to keep up checking that I mean, interest I'd rate? I check it maybe once a year and you'll find most accounts, I think they have to write to you and say if the rates come into an end, if they set it for like six months or a year, then it changes. They write to you and tell you and that can act as a prompt to, to shop around. So no excuse not to exactly. shop around, basically. Yeah. yeah. Throwing back to maybe when you weren't so money savvy, Emma, <laughs> no. uh, what advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? Oh, um... I should have started saving in a pension sooner, I think. Oh, really? I'm always yes. shocked when people who are like finance experts like you and write about finance all the time are like, I think, oh, yeah, I'm not actually that great at saving. What? Uh, well, once upon a time, I was quite sensible. I had a good job <laughs> and there was a company pension, so I joined. Oh, wow. All the good stuff. All the good stuff. And then I left the company, um, as you do, to go and be a journalist, funnily enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I went self-employed a few years later. I kind of yeah delayed setting up a pension. It's difficult when you're free. I'm a freelancer as well. Right. It's kind of one of those things that drops down the list, doesn't it? It is as a freelancer, I think, when you're trying to juggle sort of a varying income each month. And sorting out your tax, like you yeah. say, all that kind of stuff is kind of higher up the list. Exactly. And, and debts as well, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but if you've got a job, um, companies of certain sizes, most companies have to auto-enroll you now into the company pension. Uh, and then your employer will pay money into that as well. So I definitely stick with that. At so, least, at least do that. Even if you don't look into like you know a better pension or up in your contributions, at least put in the minimum um, and benefit from your employer's contributions and the tax relief on that as well. So there's no excuse for saving when it comes to pensions either. No, no, it might seem a long way off, but um, it comes around quick. <laughs> um, and your 18 year old self, did you ever make any silly purchases? Any credit cards um, you regret? I did get a store card. I wish did I hadn't. You? I didn't get crazy with it, but I didn't really understand how it worked. And I think I maybe missed the minimum payment once or twice. Um, I got away unscathed, but I mean, I didn't really need it. I was tempted by you get some money off on your first purchase. Mm. Um, and I kind of wish I'd known better. Uh, I think the trouble is when you're 18, you get bombarded by offers of credit cards. And these days, payday loans wasn't quite the case in my mm. day, but payday loans are much worse. Yeah. So definitely try and avoid them. I know a friend who got a credit card at 18 and he was paying it off for 10 years. Ouch. For a leather jacket. I think he lost after a year. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> As always, we will have more resources and links and useful information available in the episode notes. Emma, Lund, thank you so much for joining me on The Penny Drops. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of The Penny Drops. We hope you learned something new and useful to help you with your finances. We'd love to hear what you think of the series, so please do leave us a review. Or if you have any comments or money questions you'd like us to cover, you can get in touch at thepennydrops at royallondon.com. This podcast series is brought to you by Royal London, the UK's largest mutual life pensions and investment company. Royal London, determination since 1861. Royal London recommends you seek professional independent financial advice before making financial decisions. All views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and not of Royal London.